So I can't like make my quality consistent, but I tried to make my work ethic consistent. I definitely put in like this set of time to work on it. I would get to class the same time every day, like over and over. And that I think that consistency really helped me personally, like start growing and like figuring out what works for me and like how I best learn and stuff like that. Welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okumura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Aaron Cobb. He is an African-American artist working as a background designer at Wild Canary. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Oh, well, um, thank you for having me, guys. Love yeah. the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a, currently a background designer at Wild Canary. Uh, went to San Jose State with these two lovely people. And yeah, grew up in San Jose my whole life. Lucked into going to a great school. Excellent. Awesome, man. Well, before we get into our interview, the way we like to start off is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Okay. Okay, great. Sweet, 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 sweet. <laughs> you're, you're really thinking already. <laughs> I'm pondering. I'm getting prepped for it. All right. I'll start us off with the first question then. Which black and red suit would you rather wear? Miles Morales' Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse suit or Terry McGinnis's Batman Beyond suit? Oh, wow. You're really not holding back. <laughs> you're hitting hard with that one. I grew up on Batman Beyond. I'm gonna go with Terry McGinnis. I love Spider Verse, but like, uh, that one was like iconic for me. Like, I, uh, I wanted to be Batman's protege, dude. Yeah, that's right? fair, man. <laughs> rather be rather be Batman's uh, protege than Spider Man's protege. Yeah, essentially. Oh gosh, that hurt me to say it, but you know, it's, it's what it is. <laughs> Dude, no, the suit the suit is pretty cool. And again, like it is cool to like web sling yeah. in the city, but you're basically flying with the bat suit. With the Batman Beyond bat suit specifically, you know? Yeah, like rockets yeah, on your feet. Of... It's yeah. yeah. Has it has like all this nanotech, you you have super strength, you have like this like these night visions and like all these yeah. cool schematics, you have Bruce in your ear. I had the time of my life. Yeah. I, time. <laughs> I love that old man Bruce. I think yeah. it's so good. <laughs> so grouchy. The style of the show, yeah. Oh, everything is great. Yeah, everything about the show is so well designed. Oof. Oh man. So sad. I might I mean I might go with the Spider-Verse suit just because like it's it like being in it's not dystopian, I guess, but like it's a not great yeah. future, you know? Yeah. Like New York Gotham is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. You got like jokers running around. I don't like clowns, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean you get to beat them up. That's that's a good point. A plus. <laughs> It just it just showed that crimes that just never stops. It gets worse. <laughs> it only gets worse from here. <laughs> That's true. All right, last one. Would you rather live in a world where everyone's lives revolve around a children's card game like Yu-Gi-Oh, or by spinning tops like Beyblade? Second, you said Beyblade. It was Beyblade. I mean, I like, <laughs> wrong. I, loved, I enjoyed Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. But like me and my friend, we be Beyblading. You all let day. it rip. Yeah, yeah, we'd be letting yeah. rip, longer rip cords, had those little plastic bowls you can get at Target, and yeah. uh, we'd be having the time of our lives. Dude, Beyblade, but it was a lot of fun. It's something about Beyblades. 
I love the older Beyblades. I'm not the biggest fan of the newer models. I feel yeah. like they have less character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have a lot of gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Like, the original series was like uh, that. I love that one. Uh, yeah. And then I was just like laughed to myself. I'm like, I got a Beyblade too. Why can't mine do all this? The stuff that they're uh, yeah. They're, right. Like, he, he tells her what to do, and it just disappears. Yeah, what's right? the secret strange. ancient monster living in my Beyblade? Exactly. Like, I want, I want to, I want to call it out. Yeah, I've shot a dragoon <laughs> a thousand times, but he's not coming. Were <laughs> oh, you a dragoon? I was always a trigger. That was a good one. Like, uh, uh, only because the character name was also Ray, so I felt like a connection. <laughs> of course. There's so many Rays on TV at that time, actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Um. I can't remember. Oh, it's Drasil. I was like, what's the turtle one? Yeah, it's uh, Dragoon, Dronzer, Drasil, and Drigger. Yeah. All starting with the name D. Because <laughs> they're, they're dragons or something, right? What? Yeah, yeah. They're based off the, I think, the Chinese dragon guardians of Northeast, South, and West. Oh, okay. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bowser is actually a dragon guardian. Like, he's like the turtle what? one. Yeah, yeah. Well, based, based off his, like... Oh. Like his design or like his origin is, I think it's based off like the dragon turtle guardian. That would That's make wild. sense, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why, again, he has huh. a turtle shell and he's like breathes fire and stuff. Like that's, that's where crazy. Bowser got inspiration from. But yeah, the Bit Beast and Beyblade are based off the Chinese dragon guardians of North, Ouse, East, and West. Ray, I'm amazed you know this. I, yeah, I'm impressed too. I got into it. I was really <laughs> into it. But was back like, to the central it. question. So, because, yeah, it's insane how in both worlds, because everything revolves around Beyblade. There's massive tournaments, sponsorships, companies, and same thing with Yu Gi Oh! sponsorships. Like, the mm-hmm. economy runs on Yu Gi Oh! Yeah, if you play cards good enough, you could uh, get a full ride to your, your dream school. That's a good yeah. point. <laughs> I think in like Beyblade, even like the cops used Beyblades or something like that, or like the military I or something. I don't remember. I like, think so. I don't remember too much. Maybe. I want to say, because yeah, they definitely had those scenes where like a bunch of people, there's no yeah. spinning top, but they're just like, rip, yeah. rip. Well, and like they're just doing like, the like, let it rip motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> faster, like more furious. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We're locking in Beyblades though. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Thanks uh, for playing in between with us, Aaron. Hopefully you had some fun there. Loved it. And if you enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, Let's start off by kind of asking, could you tell us what is the role of a background designer? So a background designer is the responsible for creating the environments and scenes where the animation is going to happen. So like you'll have like a character designer who's going to be figuring out what the character looks like. And then like a prop designer is going to be figuring out like what the props are going to look like. And then essentially the background designer is creating the room or the space where it happens. And uh, you're yeah, just basically filling that and like making sure it's on point and it's consistent. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Are you just doing the line art? Because I know in some pipelines, they'll have like a background designer will just do the line art. Somebody else will paint it. So they'll have it divided designer and then painter. Is that true for you? So uh, at Titmouse, the background designer is the line art. And then you'll have like a background painter who will fill that in. So like, yeah, Titmouse, it was just the the line art, like based off of storyboards Uh, Mm -hmm. at Wild Canary, which it's like background design, but like I do a bit of a, 
little bit of like props and characters too. That is more of a because that's like a 3D show. That's more of like、mm. figuring out like the entire space and like you'll involve you're involved with like painting it and not just like、uh, the layout. You know, you're doing painting, color options, stuff like that.、Mm. Uh, it's like because I guess for that one is more of like conceptual stuff for the modelers to build it out and then texture it later. So you're just kind of building a reference guide. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. yeah, in two D, you'd be required or taxed to draw all these different backgrounds for these different shots. Yes, yeah. And then for you, how is it like when it's two D versus three D? But like building、uh, design based off the boards, is this sometimes like obviously you're adding more detail and like making something more lived in or making something more like you know more detailed? I guess how is it translating the designs from boards? Is it always like super clear or is it like what was this artist trying to draw here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like with the storyboarder, like they're trying to sell like the idea and like the animation like for this particular shot. So they're not,、mm-hmm. it's not necessarily their job to be too concerned with like the background, whether it's like maybe consistent with、uh, another shot or like maybe like the perspectives super right or、mm-hmm. something like that. So it varies. I've gotten like、uh, some backgrounds <clears throat> when it was based off a storyboard that were essentially a pre-design, and like I could just like. Pretty much like match this and just like make the line work and like some of the things more clear. And then other、mm. ones where it's like more of a loose just、idea. a grid. <laughs> yeah, kind of like <laughs> it's like I don't where they you know they they still did a great job because they told me like what room this was and like what the、mm-hmm. idea is. But、mm-hmm. then the, yeah, like the rest of it's me、uh, adding things in. And you know like they're both interesting because like the one where it's like really loose, I have more agency sometimes to、mm. like. Add in my own little fun stuff and Easter eggs, but then yeah, like a one that's like super tight. I'm like, okay, well, this is just going to be a a quick one too. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just go over this real quick. That's actually interesting. What kind of Easter eggs have you thrown in there when you've had a chance to like really like build out、uh, an environment or a background? I've definitely done a few logos from uh the program as an Easter egg. That was fun, and then、uh, a lot of times it's just like because like you'll do like say like um maybe you need like. A washing machine or something like that with like it has a branding or something, but I can't use the actual branding, so I'll like I'll use like my friend's last name or、uh, mm. stuff like that. And like、uh, you know, at certain like studios, like、uh, where like I definitely like Tip Mouse. It's like you know they're like it's kind of encouraged because it's like you know have fun with it, yeah, have a good time, yeah. Like as long as you're like not yeah, like I said, like not like taking other people's like property or like using existing things. You can have all day, cause like that's the the thing about like making like a, a room or like a room believable, is、mm-hmm. like those little things. Like there's there's gonna be branding on this piece of thing, and like, and now it's up to me. I could just unless it's a joke in the show, like I can now decide what goes on that. So like, you have a lot of fun with that, and then seeing it in color and like on the the episode, it's like <laughs> you do a little dance. It's you have the time of your life. That's awesome. And so, like, what is it specifically about like background design that you really enjoy when you're kind of getting into it? I didn't have as much experience with like a background design, so like, I think like the most fun for me at the beginning was like the challenge because、mm-hmm. like I was learning a bunch of new things. You know, like the learning curve, especially like if you're at a job, it becomes very fast. But like after that, like the most fun is just like adding the small things to a room or like a room or a space or anything because like. You're gonna get like a storyboard, or you're gonna get like a brief that's gonna give you like the big moves. Like these things need to be there; th- these are important. But then, like it's like small details that、uh, I guess it's like kind of like where you have a, a chance to like put you in there. 
And like, I think it was just, it was really informative and like improving design sense altogether because now I kind of look at things and like balance between like, what's like the most important thing. And then like, what are these small things that are going to make me believable? For instance, I didn't know Wayne Scotting was a thing. And apparently, or just like the trim on houses or stuff like that. Hmm. You know, you think of the symbolism or iconography of a house. It's just walls, roof, <laughs> maybe the roof has tiles. And then like that was one of the things that they uh, taught me a lot as an apprentice is like looking crown for molding. Thing. Yeah, not cr- crown molding was a part of it, but like <laughs> but, but uh just like looking for like finding the balance and like moments of like authenticity and things. You know, like mm. especially on like the certain styles of a show. I can't just like go crazy putting every sort of like line detail in there. But uh Right. Yeah, like vaulted ceilings or like, you know Yeah. That's like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I I I know because of house hunters. <laughs> <laughs> They're always commenting on the vaulted uh, ceilings or the crown moldings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. I think I got like my first one. They're like something about that or like the wainscoting, like a, a Victorian or something. I'm like, how does people, mm-hmm. how do people know this off the top of their head? Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, <laughs> like I learned. Yeah. It's experience. Yeah. 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 Like, oh my God, this, this has like the French doors or like, oh, it has yeah. a bay window, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you really into house <laughs> I, I was. Uh, oh yeah, my wife and I were into house hunters for a bit. Like we, it'd be one of the shows we would just mindlessly watch. <laughs> but moving, it. kind of moving forward, uh, to kind of get back on the topic of like you know your career, Aaron. How did you initially get your start working in animation? My start in uh, animation. I think like the first animation job I would have was working at Floyd County Productions. My first taste, I think, of like the uh, industry itself would maybe be like interning at like Linden Lab on their uh, VR game, mm-hmm. which was oh uh, VR game. Yeah, like it was uh, right after school, and I I think like working with like Colin Fix and like all of them was just like beside being like one of the friendliest and like most fun teams I've ever experienced. It's it was like a crash course in like working professionally, mm. and then like uh, from there I worked as a freelance character designer at Floyd County, and then right after as a background painter for them for on their feature film mm. so that was essentially the start that's crazy i wonder like because yeah you, you feel nice for them for character it's just interesting that they didn't bring you on full-time for character they're like let's bring you all full-time for background see it was interesting because like at the time like i freelanced for them for a character but it was like kind of like a pitch project mm. so it's like making like a a, a reel for a, a potential show so like it was it was mostly like just like getting my feet wet in the studio it's like help us do some of these turns something like that and then like very shortly after they're like essentially we don't have any character work right now but do you want to do background painting and uh yeah and then they're like you'll be working with like garrett and peggy and i'm like yeah of course i'll, I'll do it but instantly i said yes and uh yeah it's, that was a really interesting experience too yeah because it was painting for a 2d film mm-hmm. so not quite like sort of like rendering you do at school and then it was also mm-hmm. like interesting like working with somebody else's line work mm. and stuff like that but yeah was that for america the movie it was for america okay the movie yeah <laughs> wild ride very fun team to work with it was for america i just remembered because um i keep seeing there's like an animator uh from floyd that i follow and they'll post like animation breakdowns of stuff that they've done for the movie and i remember um visiting garrett at at floyd and seeing some of the work that they were doing it was 
really amazing stuff. Really nice stuff. I mean, of course, feature film, right? But yeah, very cool. I learned so much. And for those that don't know, Garrett's also like a former classmate of ours as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very amazing person. And then like working with him and like everybody on the team, it it was so nice because like, it's like one of those situations where like, you know, you kind of like want to go into a job and you're like, I'm very comfortable with my skill set right now. But then it's also nice to go into a job and it's like, oh my gosh, they are so skilled. I need to, I need, I need to hurry up or something yeah. like that. So it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was fun figuring out like, um, what next to figure out, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you, you, you touched on this a bit, but can you tell us a little bit more about that internship experience at Linden Labs? Cause you were in our intern, right? Yeah. Uh, so I started interning, I think, um, a, a month or so before we graduated and, uh, and then several months after that. And we were an art, we were art interns and it was like a small design team. So mm-hmm. that kind of meant that like we would be juggling a bunch of hats. So I worked with David Diva, uh, Tiffany Pham, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Fiedenberg. And then like, uh, so like we would do 3D assets for the game based off of like 2D designs. Sometimes we'd do 2D stuff. Other times we would do um, animations. Like Diva did a lot of uh, effects animations for them. Hmm. But uh, yeah, we did a little bit of everything. It was a, a very great learning experience. And like Colin and the whole team like let us do projects or like intern projects that every week they would sit down and review with us so that we would come out of the internship with like a new portfolio. So mm. that's awesome. And they pay you. So it's like already very different cool. from school. So like, yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> getting always paid great. to work on something instead of paying to work. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did that for a while and uh, yeah, it was just invaluable. Mm-hmm. I'm getting excited just thinking about those times. <laughs> Dude, no, that's really awesome, especially because like it's like one of those internships where you actually got to work and be a part of the production. Maybe not like obviously the things they probably gave you was probably more smaller scale, but like yeah. mm-hmm. still getting that experience working on a production because not every internship is like that. Most internships are like really kind of structured to be kind of like an educational experience or yeah. they're uh, on the production side because sometimes especially down in like socal where like the union and stuff and the animation guild i think legally i don't think they're allowed to give you interns art roles because this it'll take away work from artists which will you know break some kind of like union like guidelines or uh, laws so a lot (laughs) of the uh, internships down here in socal like for like gmworks nick and cartoon Network, are like production based and they, they do have apprenticeships but like yeah, so it's really interesting and probably really such an amazing learning experience being able to actually dabble in the art side. A hundred percent, especially like, you know, in our last year of school, like working professionally is kind of very nebulous. It's a, you have like an idea of like what it's going to be like or something like that. And maybe you're like you're afraid of it or maybe you're excited about it. But it was it was nice to be able to like view it, like be a part of it, but like in a, a capacity that's like not as high stakes, if that makes sense. Like it was like mm-hmm. a very... Mm-hmm. Like, none of us failed at anything. Like, you know, we were great interns, but it was a very safe place to, like, make a mistake. Yeah. And then, like, you mm-hmm. can come back from it. And, like, I think that that mentality is, like, invaluable when uh, you're first starting out because it builds a confidence in yourself to be mm-hmm. able to do things. Mm-hmm. And so can you also tell us, how did your experience as an intern at Linden Labs differ from being a background design apprentice at Titmouse? Because we talked about, like, again, how I mentioned earlier, there's also apprenticeships and, like, you know, internships, but, like... Mm. Yeah, how did that internship differ from the apprenticeship? With the internship, it was very geared towards learning, you know? So it's like, it it was like school in that like aspect where it was, they planned on teaching you things, they gave you like assignments, but you know, like 
and you were part of the pipeline, but like they expected you to like learn, struggle, and then they'll teach you more things. And it was mm-hmm. also geared towards like time set aside to like making a portfolio. So like a lot of it was you are helping make the game, but it's prepping you for, you know, professional work further and on outside of that. Being an apprentice, at least for me in like Tipmouse's sense, was that it was like, you're going to come on, you're going to be like a part of the team. You don't have as much experience in background design. So like what we're going to do is you are a part of the production pipeline. Like uh, when we're getting our handouts, you're getting handouts too. You're going to start with like less handouts. And like, as you go, you're going to, we're going to like ramp it up until you're like doing just as much as everybody else. So like, I think the biggest difference was the expectation because being an apprentice, I was a part of the production pipeline. So there wasn't the room for me to be like, I messed up this week. I'm going to be like late on something like that. No, it's like, that was Mm -hmm. like having like an experience with like, you actually have this deadline because the other background designers, the background painters, they're all waiting on you too. Like you're a part of this. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. So yeah, there was definitely, I guess, more stakes involved in yeah. being an apprentice versus internship, which makes more sense. Cause like, yeah, an internship, the way it's normally structured for like any studio is meant to be more of a learning experience and an educational experience. Apprenticeship it's like the intention is to hopefully bring you on full time mm. from, mm. from that position. And it seems like they did, correct? Like after your apprenticeship, yes. you did get a full-time position at Titmouse as well. So yeah. how was that transition from apprenticeship to being that full-time? Did you feel like the point of the apprenticeship served its purpose? Yeah, I think the, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the, the apprenticeship like definitely moved like uh, everything like in the right direction in the sense that like by the end of the apprenticeship, I was pretty much like exactly like where I needed to be. And like I, all the work had become like things like you're used to, like, I think that was like one of the things like I was telling them like towards the end is like, what's nice is, you know, at the beginning of it, you're like, oh no, what am I going to do on this sort of thing? But towards the end of mm-hmm. it, you're just like, oh, okay, here's this assignment. I have all the options and I have not all the options in the world, but like I have multiple options, which one am I going to choose? And then like, so it was much more like relaxed, especially moving forward or something like that. Yeah. It just became part of the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As an apprentice, did you have like a, a mentor assigned to you? For not not quite. Like I worked closely with our director mm. and stuff like that. And like we would go over like uh, my backgrounds like one or one on one and he'd give me like great feedback on it and like things like to consider and keep in mind. Uh, I wouldn't say it's and I, you know, actually, I guess in that sense, like he was like my mentor. It wasn't like kind of as like hands on of a mentorship as like. Maybe if like you were an intern doing something, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But it, mm-hmm. it also just felt like kind of like a part of the, the schedule. Like, you know, mm. this is our time set aside. We're going to go over a few things. And like sometimes if like there wasn't a need to go over a few things, we wouldn't do it. So in that sense, it was like a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I've seen, I feel like apprenticeships nowadays are so sought after. Like, I can't tell you how many tweets I saw when people were saying that they made it to the second phase of like the Netflix, like apprenticeship or training program. Mm -hmm. What do you think made you stand out to be selected for that apprenticeship? Because again, it just, they're so sought after nowadays. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I think um, because I had worked uh, places before uh, Mm. professionally and like, so I had like experience like that. I think it was just a matter of like, my portfolio didn't have anything to directly show background design work. So I think it put you in a good, it put me in a good space where it's like, 
they had confidence that I could be able to figure out how to do this side of things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I think they liked like some stuff in my portfolio. Yeah, I know like apprenticeships are like really hard to get because it's like a weird place between working professionally and like being an intern. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think usually it's if you have a fair amount of work and like you have a portfolio that can maybe instill a level of confidence in your ability to learn because like mm. with an apprenticeship similar to an internship there is the aspect of learning and growing so like if you can instill that confidence and then uh aside from that yeah just do your best like because like a lot of the times like they hire you on something they're very confident that you can do this so i think like that's like a thing where like people are, will maybe get like nervous when they're starting at a job and like it's a bunch of other stuff that they've never experienced before it's like can i do this well no they believed in me i can do this mm, yeah I don't know if that's the right way to, I don't know if that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> none of us are involved in the hiring process, so we're all just speculating, <laughs> yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. at this point. But I mean, that is an interesting thing to think about of like, you know, we've talked about before, trying to get a job, needing experience for the job. You can't get hired because you don't have experience. And it sounds like apprenticeships are similar to internships in where they're like, oh, we can just, you know, take a risk on this person it will only cost us this much money for this set Mm. period of time uh and we can train them up but like i think you're what you were saying ray is that like internships tend to be more broad of like oh general intern and you can do everything but for the apprenticeship they're like you're going to be apprenticed for this position for background Mm -hmm. design or, or painting or whatever and we're going to train you for that specifically and hopefully you can grow into an artist and then put this on your resume and continue Mm. to get those jobs yeah (laughs) yeah something else i kind of want to ask you mentioned how like you know one of your first i guess professional gigs was like working at floyd county productions how was that experience working for floyd county as kind of like a background painter were you able to actually move up to georgia or was everything happening remotely around that time when i was first talking to them about doing background painting was right as like quarantine was starting Mm. so at that point, they're like, we're not going to be in office anyways. You can work remotely. So I did my work with uh, Floyd County all remotely from, at the time, San Jose. And um, it was very interesting. Or not, it was challenging and fun at the same time. Fun because, like, mm-hmm. the people and, like, the, the work I was doing was, like, really great to be a part of. And, and uh, just being able to talk to them every day. Challenging mm-hmm. in the sense that there was a three-hour time difference. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I didn't, I totally didn't have to, but I would like, uh, I wanted to be in the morning meetings. So I'd like wake mm-hmm. up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, oh, dude, because their meetings ah. started at nine. And, uh, <laughs> and I wake up at six, be in their meetings. And like, my day would be over at like, I think like two or three. So it was like, yeah, the first week was hard, but like, I, after a while, it was like an interesting routine where it's like, my workday starts before the sun comes up, essentially. And then like, it's over right around the time people are kind of having lunch. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. If you look at it, you have your whole entire afternoon free working yeah. like that. Yeah. It was kind of nice. <laughs> Mornings were nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a morning person. I don't know how Ray does it. We both record. Ray's on PST. I'm on EST. So we start recordings at 8 a.m. PST, and I, I start them at a lovely 11 a.m. <laughs> near the afternoon. Yeah, but must be, must be so nice. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so like for you, how was that experience 
different from when you were interning? Because like interning, you again, you actually got to go in S because since Linden Labs, it's located in SF. So you commuted to SF, you were in the studio and then uh, but for like your professional, your first like full on professional gig that it was an internship had to be from home. How did yeah. did you feel like you're missing out on anything or like how was that like? Was that like a weird feeling for you? Yeah, like because um, I think technically now all of my like professional professional work has been like work from home, which is like mm. an interesting place because I definitely miss the atmosphere that comes with like going to an office, you know, like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. meeting in like a break room and stuff like that. Like it's a little bit of different energy. I think it did take like a little bit of getting used to being able to be like we have like our 30 minute meeting in the morning and then like for most of the day I'm like kind of not working in a void, but like just like working in like almost autonomously. And then like maybe I'll like get like a, a Google chat message or something like that. Mm-hmm. So and it's it's interesting. It's it's funny because like uh, I've gotten used to it at like this point. Yeah, because like working at Tipmouse was the same thing. And like at uh, Wild Canary, we do the same. So it's uh, kind of just like more of the same now. But I would like to be able to drive to an office and park my car and Mm-hmm. get a coffee with somebody that would be nice at some point but uh mm-hmm. yeah dude no i i totally get you my besides that one week i was able to be in studio my whole entire professional career has been working from home mm. but with you you've had a chance to work for a couple of different studios again floyd titmouse and now wild canary have you found it difficult trying to connect with your crew when it is kind of remote and just you only get to chat with people like over a screen yeah well it it, it depends definitely on like the crew you're with and like mm. just like the atmosphere of like the studio but i will say i don't think it's ever as easy as it is like when you're in studio mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when you're in studio and like you're just like passing by people and like you're having your meetings in like a single room together it's like it's a different sort of thing but like i definitely like working at like floyd like our google chats were always blowing up with like comments and stuff like that so we're very <laughs> social and like similar at like Tipmouse, we have meetings a few times a week and then like people still chat a lot in the comments. I don't think it's quite the same as like working like uh, it's getting to know someone as working in offices. I think that's much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can still like e make a friend at a workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's been my experience, too. If like I 100 percent prefer working in office, but like. The Mm -hmm. teams that I've been on, at least, we've really tried to make an effort to, like, connect with each other and make a team environment, even though it's harder than being in person. We'll have, like, scheduled work-along calls (laughs) where, like, everybody will, like, you know, just be working on their own thing, but, like, hanging out sort of Mm -hmm. in a similar environment of, like, oh, if I was just sitting next to this person, I could turn around and talk to them, like, over my desk or whatever. And, like, we try to build a similar thing online and i do feel like i've made genuine connections with people that i've worked with at least and i'm close enough where like sometimes we'll go get lunch on the weekends or something like that even though we're not working in office but yeah i agree it's it's harder and different but it's not all bad yeah, no it's like, <laughs> I, I think I, there's like some aspects of working from home that are like pretty nice and like mm-hmm. uh actually like there's also some aspects of like trying to like meet new people working from home that are like nicer like when you're all like a a channel and like a message away it's like i think for like certain people like less intimidating to be like oh hey mm-hmm. like i needed this file but then also how's your day going then if you like mm-hmm. walked around at the office and you're like 
here's my thing and then you just walk away because you know <laughs> social interactions but uh <laughs> so i think it's like a give and take mm-hmm. yeah so between everything you have done such as background design background painting and character design what have you enjoyed doing more um i think i've i did background design the longest so i'm more used to that i think but if i said like enjoy doing more i maybe enjoy doing a character design a little more but it's funny it's not by like as wide of a margin as i would have believed back in school Hmm. Mm -hmm. like definitely back in school i thought like i'm like a a character design guy and uh Mm -hmm. this is like where i find my enjoyment but like i've done you know i've done character design i've done like background design and like i found like a, a lot of fun and fulfillment in like creating the spaces as much as you know you can do in like creating the person who's going to be in it mm-hmm. character designs maybe mm-hmm. just like a little more fun because like on my free time i do that more so mm-hmm. it, maybe it's like more of a flooding of ideas whereas like background design i'll n- maybe need a little bit more research to make sure everything's like unlocked but like yeah so I, probably character design but like it's all fun they're all challenging in their own ways so it's <laughs> whatever they give me it's gonna be a new a new mountain to climb but you know <laughs> so mm. you're not really like locked into one or the other like some people are like oh i only want to be like a character designer you know i, I really only like background painting yeah like, you're just kind of like all of it i kind of yeah which is like a funny thing to say but like uh, i definitely thought i was like locked into like just doing character designs but like mm. no like i think it's yeah, I find something enjoyable to do about any of the things. Like, it's fun to do, like, a prop. It's fun to do, like, a, a background. It's fun to do a character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I think some people will go back and forth. But, like, mm-hmm. I think they're all very important for the show. So it's, like, not a sense that, like, I did this character design. This is a greater sense of fulfillment because, like, this is, like, the biggest part of the show. It's, like, but then I've worked in background. You know, like, then I've worked in background. So I'm, like, well... My character moving around is not going to mean anything if he doesn't have an interesting space to be in. And then, like, <laughs> just like walking in an empty void. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's walking in a room that's just four lines and, like, maybe a squiggle. It's like, actually, that, that sounds like really interesting. <laughs> that was a bad example. But like, <laughs> the room needs to be interesting, too. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's totally fair. And I think, like, for you, it seems like you're pretty fluid between jumping those different disciplines. I think, um, Maybe John said this one time, like our professor, but like at the end of the day, it's just you need the same tools to do these things. And like if you're comfortable in like certain tools, you kind of just like have fun playing with those regardless of the thing. Like I really just love drawing. Like I love painting. And it's like those are like the tools I like playing with. So like if you say that I'm going to do that on a character design, that's like I'm going to have a blast doing that. You say I'm going to do it on a prop. I'm going to have a blast doing that too. Or a uh, background design, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so something else I kind of wanted to get into, knowing you, we know you also want to work in video games besides like Linden Labs. Have you had a chance to like work or freelance on any kind of video games or video game studios? Or is that a field that you still eventually want to transition into? You know, it's um, I haven't aside from like Linden Lab because of like just like the way things have like uh, connected and gone. I've worked more in animation. I've loved working in animation. I think mm-hmm. working in games would be something I would like to try but like in all likelihood, like on probably like a small project or like a, a freelance basis, because I really do like working in like animation and like being a part of this. But that also could be I just have more experience in that at this point. But um, no, but like definitely my uh, stuff I do for myself definitely looks pretty <laughs> uh, game like. So it would, it would be pretty interesting to 
be able to try and like use that sort of stuff on like different projects at some mm-hmm. point. No, but that's also an interesting topic that you bring up because I remember, who was it? Punch Drunk Mustache came mm-hmm. to kind of do like this presentation about like the book. And the book was just a collection of artwork from like these artists that had like prompts and stuff. And they were saying, and basically every artist was saying like how everything that they put in the book is something completely different than what they do from their day jobs. And yeah. kind of mm-hmm. talking to you, that's kind of similar. Like you've been working more professionally doing background design, but like you love drawing characters and that's kind of like a creative outlet for you. And same thing, you're in animation, but like a lot of stuff tends to be very game-like. And so it's a way for you to kind of like not get stagnant. It's a way for you to kind of have a nice creative outlet where like you have a separation from the art you do for fun versus the art you do professionally, which is kind of <laughs> nice to see because it's kind of, yeah. honestly, I think that's like a hurdle I'm kind of jumping through right now is like trying to find art that I enjoy that's like separate from like work and stuff because I feel like mm. it just, it just uh, right now it's like with, you know, me having a wife and stuff and like trying to maintain a social life, trying to ma- maintain my relationship with my wife and maintain work and then try to have some personal art. It's like hard to like balance all these, all these things. So sometimes personal art tends to falter a little bit for me more lately but Mm. for me i just love hearing that like you're able to still have that creativity separate from work and that's super hard to come by sometimes it's so hard like uh i Mm. totally understand because like especially you're doing this thing like eight hours a day it's like uh hard to squeeze out that like little bit that's uh just for you and Mm -hmm. i think it's something that used to tell us in school it's like you never have as much free time to explore your like artistic interests as you do like when you're in school Mm -hmm. and uh it's so true, like, now. I just feel, like, really happy if I can get, like, the, the energy and, like, the time to just, like, do my uh, own thing. And I like it when it looks a little bit different because, especially if you work at, like, a, a job for a while mm-hmm. and you get used to the style, that style kind of becomes, not a formula, but, like, you know, like, it, it becomes easy to approach and, like, you can kind of, like, recreate it, like, a thousand times. And, and it's just something, like, you had back in school where it's, like, I like that, like, we got to try things that were, they were attainable, but they were just, just a little bit out of reach. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you're, you're really feeling like you're pushing yourself, but you know, that depends on the day if I can do that sort of thing. (laughs) Sometimes you're just tired. Yeah. Sometimes you're just tired. Sometimes you, you need to go for the low hanging fruit that, you know, you've been working eight hours a day on a certain style. Just go for the same style to produce something for yourself. Like, even if it's not in the drawing style that you want you can always like prompt yourself like oh i'll design something new or you know work it to your advantage if you want to make you know something for yourself no i totally get like i have like Mm -hmm. sketchbooks that are just full of like the same face essentially (laughs) because it's like you know it's a long day this relaxes me i'm just gonna draw this same thing you know so it's sometimes you just gotta yeah yeah and then so for you because we talked about it a bit but for you aaron how did you feel your education at San Jose State University prepared you for like life after college? Um, so and why I did think... you choose San Jose State? <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny thing. It's like uh, I chose San Jose State. I'm not going to say arbitrarily, but like I, look, I grew up in San Jose <laughs> and like I, I loved cartoons and I knew I wanted to work in animation. I will call it fate. Found or like discovered that the school not too far from me teaches animation. I went there and just like lucked into a great education. But uh, I think how it prepared me was in a few ways. One was like, we had like a bunch of classes where like we could explore like our ideas, which I think if you get a good art education, you'll get that. So it's like, mm. I explored a lot of different like styles and like things that I enjoyed. I messed with like, maybe I wanted to be more painterly. Maybe I wanted to draw more. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that like really helped me 
like this is kind of like the fluidity of which like I can work on different things is because mm-hmm. I was given a safe space to explore different things. But I think the um, one of the the other like ways in which it prepared me for working professionally is there is a I think a high standard expected of us, especially by like certain professors. Like I had a professor, uh, John, who he always expected more of me, but then he always said it in a way that made me think that he believed I can do it. And like, it's that sort of thing that like instilled like the confidence to keep working and keep applying yourself. And like, that's helped me immeasurably in my own work experience where it's like, I'll get like a hard assignment. I'll get like a hard task, maybe a a new role that's very difficult, but like, Mm -hmm. I'll look at it and think like, maybe I can't do this now, but like, I definitely believe I can eventually. So I think that sort of thing is one of the biggest stuff I took from San Jose State Mm. and some fundamental drawing skills. And the education, (laughs) I guess. You know, and then (laughs) stuff like perspective and like color theory, I guess. (laughs) No, I mean, you're right. I think that's really important to have a social network, like emotional network system of like, a teacher, a mentor, or even like, you know, your classmates or your friends or a significant other or somebody to be there to just keep pushing you along and saying like, you know, I know you can do better or like I'm I'm here with you until you reach that level. Mm-hmm. And then something I can also want to comment on is that like going to school with you, Aaron, I feel like you're somebody that blossomed throughout the program and really like evolved and grew and like your art just became more and more amazing as like the years went on. Because when you start a program, like you kind of see and our school was never cutthroat, but like you see the front runners, you see the ones that like already come off with great art talent or have, you know, already a good amount of mileage under the belt. And and then you see those that kind of falter a little bit behind the pact. And I felt like you were somebody I wouldn't say behind the pact, but like you weren't one of the front runners and uh, you weren't probably you probably were one of the people that people would just kind of glance by when we were like, look at when we had to post our art on the wall and like do the critiques. But you were somebody that kept working at your craft and putting in the hours. And like, I just remember we do this thing called like the fall gallery at San Jose State, where the club officers of the animation club, the Shrek and Handman Club, put together this student gallery of student artwork and students submit their work. I remember, I don't remember who I was with, but I saw some of your paintings, or your, your pieces he submitted. And I was like, holy shit, Aaron did this? This is so cool. I was like, oh my God, he grew, he grew so much. Like I was, I remember being so happy because we haven't, I feel like rarely we have we ever had a class together. I always knew of you. Mm. I was seeing the hallways, but I don't think we've ever crossed paths all that much in a classroom setting. But it's a travesty. I was just, and I was always happy when I saw students like that, like that really, really like evolving because you knew they were putting in the hours and you knew they were putting in the work and they weren't relying on their previous skills yep. to kind of get them mm. by and you saw some of those yeah. um in school as well and that's true in any school but like i just really want to commend how hard you were to get where you are because mm. you you blossomed to this beautiful angel oh. man <laughs> <laughs> oh don't cry aaron ray you always know just what to say <laughs> but, uh, no like uh yeah like that's something i like i had noticed too like definitely a lot of times at like, the end of the program like i didn't i didn't have like a strong skill set to start with like i i had like i mean i loved art and like we all loved art that that was like mm-hmm. my only thing is like mm-hmm. i didn't have like a strong drawing skills or like strong painting skills or anything like that but um i think it was around maybe like second to third year things started like making more sense you know it's just like it's something as simple as like a professor saying aaron your pencil drawings suck try using pens <laughs> and uh but like <laughs> that like changed every, that's something like that like changed everything for me 
<laughs> like, um, yeah, like I, I got like a, a bunch of assignments where they were saying it's like it seemed out of reach, but then I stopped getting in like the mentality of like, oh, I can't do this thing. So I'm going to try to do like something easier. I started being like, oh, okay. So like this person that works at like Blizzard or something, we mm-hmm. just got like an assignment. I want to do that. Or like, I want to, it, mm. it's going to be like this. And you know, it wouldn't be, but like you, you shoot for it. And then like, you were already above where you were before. Mm. Yeah. Like just doing that and like being around people in our classroom who are very friendly, but like some of the, like the most skilled people I had ever experienced where it's like, it was super inspiring for me to be like in a classroom with people doing something so proficiently and like consistently. I think that's like mm. really big for me. Like if like, you can do great work consistently and they would do that. And I'm like, well, sometimes like at, at that point, like my pieces can be good or it could be bad. So I can't like make my quality consistent, but I tried to make my work ethic consistent, mm-hmm. which was, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely put in like this set of time to work on it. I would get to class the same time every day, like over and over. And like, it was just like that. I think that consistency really helped me personally, like, start growing and like figuring out like what works for me and like how I best learn and stuff like that. Art's a journey. It's mm-hmm. always fun. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to carry the nice words you said with me <laughs> through the rest of the week. And it's like, I'm going to be in the office. It's like, Aaron, how are you doing? You won't believe what my friend Ray said about me. Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad, man. And then, so to kind of like move forward, how do you think your cultural background influences you and your art? That's a good question. Uh, I I think it, it switches between like uh, big things and small things. Mm. I think like some of the small ways it's influenced like uh, my work is like a recognition to like different types of like body types and like looks from like maybe like the baseline. Because like uh, when I... When I grew up watching cartoons, especially in the 90s, like I loved 90s cartoons, but like sometimes it didn't feel like they loved me because like none of the main characters really looked like me. And then like mm-hmm. sometimes when like side characters would supposed to be looking like me, they'd either the, they'd be exaggerated or some of the certain features are like kind of like erased. So like mm-hmm. I especially like during um, college, I tried to like pay more attention to like things about like my life that I think are like authentic and putting in like way like what is it like fuller lips just like different body shapes and stuff like that and that's like i think some of the small stuff that's like inform my work and like i try and like when i'm making something go a little bit beyond like maybe like the i want to say like not intuitive but like kind of like the maybe the condition base like uh mm-hmm. you like i i used to look at like my old sketchbooks from like when i was nine and like all my characters but like a spiky haired uh white guys which is like, like <laughs> it was for, for the time it was like you know this was like exactly what i was looking at but it was just mm-hmm. it was interesting to me like you know being a 10 year old and like you're so young you can have the imagination to imagine anything you want and like i never really like imagined characters that looked at me or looked like me but, but it's crazy mm-hmm. because you're also super influential and you were influenced by everything that you saw and everything that you saw just having to be spiky hair exactly. <laughs> that's like that's kind of like something i like try and do like i like and like it took a while i definitely didn't just like start doing this my entire life but like i try and like put like more color and variety in like my uh mm-hmm. portfolio and like hopefully like an awesome an authenticity to uh certain features mm. you know so like maybe you know like there's 
less of a situation for that to be like with another kid. Mm-hmm. Nothing sure. against a spiky haired dude, though. So, <laughs> you know, it told me it was yeah. right, and I believed it. So. I think that's kind of a profound thing you said that you loved these cartoons and you felt like they didn't love you. Uh-huh. And, like, isn't that kind of true that, you know, the people who were working on it weren't thinking of, you know, black or brown kids when they were working on those and, you know, how they might have felt watching that sort of content and like maybe not even in a mean way right like they weren't trying to ignore these certain like poc by poc ethnicities but like you know you feel it you feel the absence of uh love and care in your artwork so that's really cool that i think you're you're bringing it around and trying to apply that so that somebody else can feel how you didn't feel uh when you were growing up yeah because like uh you know, and I don't think it's like necessarily like super in, like intentional. And I won't like say like I was having like existential crises at like uh, <laughs> at eight watching a couple of Scooby Doo, but like yeah. uh, you know, but like I think like it, you know, it, you you internalize it uh, mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. for a sense, but like uh, yeah, but I, I really love how like it's being pushed more uh, nowadays. Like I I watched a Soul when it mm. uh, it came out and. That was like it, it was really big for me because I like I watched it with my like my little sister, <laughs> and it was very I felt like it was like a lot of authenticity in the character mm-hmm. designs and stuff like that, and it was really interesting like or how things have changed mm-hmm. from like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you, and is there anything else you want to promote? Uh, let's see. You can <laughs> find me at Instagram on King underscore underscore cub and then uh anything to promote i think the latest season of big mouth is out and it's you know oh check it out you know aside from that i think that's it for me and as we come to a close what advice do you have for those that want to pursue a career in the industry i think and it, we kind of talked about it before i don't necessarily think if you're wanting to pursue a career in industry in this industry if you're maybe a, a college student that's like just starting i don't think talent is as important as you think it is i think everybody can get good at this with like a certain level of like diligence consistency and then like you know figuring out how you best work so if i had like advice for anybody thinking of like just thinking of starting but like wondering if like they're good enough uh i would definitely say start and not in a dismissive way but you know just get good enough if that makes sense because like you can like you can definitely do it and uh yeah, just keep working at it, keep applying and be consistent. I think everybody can work in cartoons. Well put. Yeah, beautiful advice. If you enjoyed our interview with Aaron today, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. We're officially on Apple Podcasts now, so if you could rate us or you know even leave a review, that would greatly help boost us and increase our platform so we can spotlight these BIPOC voices. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. Thanks to Garrett Gerberding for suggesting Aaron as a guest. And if you have any suggestions for guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to Ashley at Leong for editing this episode. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>